You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Just keep swimming. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, You go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you remember the movie Finding Nemo? It came out in 2003 and told the story of a young clownfish named Nemo who got separated from his father, Marlin, and Marlin's journey to find him again. Along the way, he meets another fish named Dory who has trouble remembering things. And Marlin and Dory go on this adventure together while looking for Nemo. But Marlin, even though he's a clownfish, is a bit of a pessimist. And in the midst of swimming in the open ocean, Dory sings a song to try sings a song to try and cheer him up a bit. It's a simple one, only three words, and it goes like this: Just keep swimming. You see, several years ago, when I was in seminary in the thick of coursework in a very busy season of life, a friend of mine used to say this to herself over and over again to help her stay focused and not get overwhelmed with how much she had to do. I adopted it as a sort of mantra myself, and a few years later found a plush story to keep in my study at the church to remind myself to just keep swimming, as it were. That no matter how much there is to do, how many tasks to accomplish, or people to engage with, or things to prepare for Sunday or Wednesday, in the midst of it all, I just need to just keep swimming. Now, eventually, Marlin and Dory find Nemo, and even though it takes a very long time, they're able to do just that in part because they never gave up. They were willing to just keep swimming, even in the midst of encountering sharks, schools of fish, deep, dark waters, getting caught in a net, meeting surfing turtles, getting swallowed by a whale, and even scooped up into the mouth of a pelican. But through it all, they do the thing and they find Nemo and eventually make it back home again. And this is where we pick up our scripture text from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, which is the story of Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees who have come to warn him about how Herod has it out for him. But to be clear, the Pharisees aren't here to help Jesus out, but but instead they're trying to find a way to trap him. Or in other words, Herod has put a hit out on Jesus, and the Pharisees are telling him to get out of here. How much of an egomaniac do you have to be to put a hit out on a a religious man like Jesus? Because let's also keep in mind that Herod originally did this when Jesus was a baby. But I digress. Because what we see here in this passage is a brief narrative and two pronouncements. 
And it was as one of my commentaries described it, Jesus will not die out of season, but will finish his divinely appointed mission in Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus is determined to complete the task before him, to complete his earthly ministry and go to Jerusalem where he will show his love for God and for the world through his death, but further through his resurrection. And as one of my resources put it, Jesus must be on his way. Ironically, he does not travel to Jerusalem in order to escape death, but in order to die there. Both Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and his death there will be controlled by his faithfulness to God's redemptive purposes and not by Herod. Now you'd think that a death threat would be a bit of a deterrent for Jesus to at least make some changes to his ministry, like where he goes or what he does, right? But you would be wrong. Because Jesus' response is a bold one, if not a little odd. Basically, he says this, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work, yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. But even more than that, Jesus makes it clear Not only is he not afraid of Herod, he sees him as little more than a nuisance. Let's put this in perspective. Herod put a hit out on Jesus. Jesus isn't really too concerned about it, because to call Herod the ruler a fox was a dangerous insult and a metaphor that made him seem sly, cunning, and voraciously destructive, and further that he was a representative of the powerful who oppress God's people. And yet... Jesus will not be deterred from his task. But his mention of Jerusalem in verses 33 and 34 brings his impending confrontation into focus with his opposition, that is Herod and the power of the state. Now, I'm reminded of a quote from Barbara Brown Taylor from an article she wrote for the Christian Century magazine several years ago, and she writes this, Jesus was not killed by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order allied with religion, which is always a deadly mix. Beware those who claim to know the mind of God and are prepared to use force, if necessary, to make others conform. Beware those who cannot tell God's will from their own. Difficult words, but there's a lot of truth to what Taylor speaks of here. But even further than this, Jesus' determination to accomplish the task before him is also mixed with judgment, but also lament for Jerusalem that she has gone astray again. This is why Jesus speaks of the hen who gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. You see, this metaphor of Jerusalem as a mother and her inhabitants, or all Israel as children, is rooted in the Old Testament and comes from Isaiah 54. The image of a bird mothering her young also appears in Deuteronomy 32, Ruth chapter 2, Psalms chapter 17, 36, and 92, as well as Isaiah chapter 31. Jesus, time and again, has repeatedly offered Israel, has offered God's people his motherly love and protection, but they would not receive him. I'm reminded of the words of John chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. 
Now, because we are in the season of Lent, we've set a course for ourselves, as it were, one that will end in Jerusalem at the cross and at the tomb. So we must prepare ourselves so we can take it in. And yet, at the same time, the, perhaps the most important lesson we can glean from this passage for this morning is that Jesus is also on an unstoppable course towards us, toward our hearts, with tenacity and determination that will not be blocked, regardless of the things we place in his way. Now, if you hear nothing else, hear this, that Jesus, the same Jesus who was driven into the wilderness to be tempted in every possible way, so that he could understand what it means to be human, will be undeterred in the completion of his journey, not only to Jerusalem, but in order to draw near to us, God's people, during the season of Lent. So regardless of where you are in your life, Jesus draws near. Jesus draws near not because of what you have done or left undone, for how well or how poorly you have treated others, how many times you have read your Bible or prayed or not or anything of the kind, but because you are beloved. Even when we resist God's love, Jesus draws near to us. Even when we've been hurt, when we've experienced pain at the hands of those whom we have perhaps called church family. Jesus draws near to us. And yet, God does not force us into relationship. Instead, Jesus draws near and waits for us. Jesus waits for us to respond to God's love and to receive the extravagant, all-encompassing grace of God. May it always be so. Amen. here first, the First United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Feel free to check out our website, firstumcnewalm.org, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstumcnewalm. Hope you have a blessed day.